Hi, and welcome to another episode of Healthy Distractions, a show with two Marvel fanboys who talk all things Marvel except for when we don't. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. And Matt, your Oscar predictions, how'd it go? Do you have your spreadsheet? Do you have your roster? Who won? Who lost? You know what I will notice from the Oscars? That it wasn't, there was not much love for superhero movies, except for Logan, who was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. You know what screenplays are made up? Of words. You know what words come from? The Greek word exposit. Today, we're talking about exposition. Oh my god. But one thing I have noticed in the Marvel movies, and really this isn't just for Marvel. Every movie does this. You know, exposition. That's an inherent part of movies, because they're an artificial construct where you have to explain what's going on to the audience. And so, how do you do that? Sometimes you can do it very subtly, and interesting, and unique. Sometimes you can just look at the fucking camera and say, like, Hey, dum-dums, here's what's going on. Try to keep up. So, like, Deadpool. Yeah, see, and Bar- yeah, Deadpool, like, puts a, like, they hang a lampshade on it, where they, like, say, like, Oh, we're being cute in fourth dimension, or fourth dimension, fourth wall breaking. But yes, essentially, yes. Okay. Can we get an example, like, a really solid example of an exposition? doesn't have to be a Marvel movie, but something that a lot of people may know, may recognize, that easily explains what an exposition is. Right. Well, I think there's two examples in the Marvel Studio movies I can think of. One is an example of where they're doing ex- exposition in the moment to explain the actual action sequence. And the first one that comes to mind is Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. When they're doing the prison break and Rock Raccoon is doing his plan, he's like, I got it, I got it, I got it. And he like pushes the button, then all the guards start floating up, and that's his plan. He turns off the gravity, and then Gamora looks at him and says, like, you just turn off the gravity. Even though, as an audience, we can see the guards floating. Makes sense. I guess like, they're trying to err on the side of, like, well, we don't want anyone to be lost in this moment, so let's just explain what's going on. And to me, that's sort of, like, a painfully awkward moment in an otherwise flawless, interesting, great film that I love. And that scene itself was very interesting. It's one of the standout scenes of that movie. Right, it flows really well, but it's just like, it's just like sort of like a, like a speed bump that like you just happen to notice when you're watching the movie, or that I happen to notice when I'm watching the movie. But then you have also in Winter Soldier when uh, Steve and and Natasha go see Zola and like Zola, you find out he's still alive or his brain's been saved in a mainframe and Zola explains how Hydra's infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D., and to me, like, that's, like, a prime example of, like, great exposition. Because he's not only explaining the va- their, the scope of the, of the conflict and the problem that they had to face, but it makes sense when Zola says, like, yeah, I'm just telling you all this stuff just to, just to uh, delay you from the missile that's going to come and kill you both. It's, like, an interesting way to deliver the information from, like, a formerly dead Nazi cyborg computer. <laughs> so I think those are... T- so to me, to me, those are, like, always the two prime examples I'd point to in the MCU. Would you say that those are the extreme examples of the MCU? The Guardians of the Galaxy one is really bad, and it falls on that side of the spectrum. And the Winter Soldier one is really good, and it's pretty much the best way to do an exposition. Yes, yes, yes. And it's basically, like we've talked in in the past, we've talked about how these films, like over the past ten years, how they've evolved. And so... Uh, it's just something that always stood out to me, just like an aspect of these films that they've gotten better with. How they've gone from like not so subtle to very subtle in terms of like how they deliver the information to the audience. Because these are still like, you know, tentpole blockbuster films that have to appeal to a wide range of people. 
so you don't want anyone to be lost in the moment. And sometimes they do a really good job of keeping everyone up to speed while without breaking their pace, and sometimes they don't. So do you think that this is a problem that's really focused within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or do you think that this is just something that happens with every movie that's out there, and maybe we just notice it a little bit more in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Like, is it a problem that needs to be fixed? I can see as a um, snowflake Marvel liberal trigger warning person, I just triggered you. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's not. It's nothing fatal to the franchise. It's just something that stood out to me, and something that stands out for me for every movie I watch. Because that's just movies and filmmaking. You have to explain the information to the audience, and how you decide to do that is what can make or break a movie. Chris Nolan has made a career out of exposition. All of his movies, like not, and actually less so in the Batman movies, but more so in his like other sci-fi movies, like Inception or Interstellar, where they just flat out explain everything that's going on <laughs> in terms of like how the puzzle pieces work and how the machine works and in terms of the plot constructs. So, like in Interstellar, an example would be when he's walking through the planet that's all like corn and whatever, and he's saying like we're this many years in the future and. Um, well, the water, well, the water planet. Like they said, like one hour here equals seven years back on Earth. So we have to like, we have to be fast. Or when like there's a scientist, and this is the only way to explain this concept in film, where he explains like bent, explains bending space and time, where he takes a piece of paper and pokes a pencil through it. He literally has to exp- like explain the concept to Matthew McConaughey's character and by extension the audience. But they never, the movie is like chock full of examples of them explaining exactly what's going on. But that's, once again, though, just to focus on that movie as an example, that movie is dependent on those examples. Like, they have to continue to explain these things, because, like, that's what he's going for. Like, he, he, he doubles down on exposition, saying, like, this is the, this is the point. It, it doesn't take you out of the movie when you're watching it. As someone who's in the audience, you are aware of your lack of knowledge, almost, and you want this information from the actors and the actresses in the movie. So it doesn't actually take you out of the movie because Christopher Nolan does it so well. It, it flows very well within the movie, similar to Winter Soldier, and it's not more like Matthew McConaughey is turning to the camera and being like, so guys, this is what bending space and time means. I, I think that's where you're kind of going with where Marvel's problem have been. It's more like maybe they're trying to cater too much and they don't do it as well as some of these other filmmakers like Chris Nolan or the Russo brothers, or um, even Black Panther, because we were trying to figure out an example of this for Black Panther, and we couldn't really come up with really anything. Well, I think it's an issue of like sleight of hand, where you're delivering the information to the audience, but you're not, but they're not, but the audience isn't aware that that's what you're doing. If that makes sense, they still get the information that you need that you need them to get on a subconscious level. But you're not just flat out taking them out of the movie. I know you're not pausing the movie to explain, like, okay, before we go into the next scene, here's the rules of the next scene. And, like, for Black Panther, that's a great example where I there's there's exposition in it. Like, for example, the, the, the one thing I could think of was when Shuri explains to Martin Freeman that the, their trains uh, deactivate the vibranium. But, like, that makes sense, though, because it's like he's just woken up. He's seen this entirely new alien world. That he just points to, he's like, oh, like, what's that? Like, you know, and it's kind of exciting to learn this stuff with him. He's like a kid out of the womb trying to figure out his place. He's like a baby. He's like a baby. Oh, it's making noise. Aside from the Guardians of the Galaxy example, 
what are are there any other scenes or expositions in the Marvel movies that have stood out as being really a, a poor way of doing an exposition? Matthew, that's a great question. And I think for the benefit of our audience, we should go through every single film, one by one, scene by scene, and answer that question. You can go first. Iron Man 2008. Go. We're not going to do that. No, we're not. I would say Ant-Man is a good example where there's a scene when Scott Lang's trying to break into Hank Pym's vault, and uh, Michael Pena's character is literally asking him on the radio, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? What are you doing now? And it's Paul Rudd explaining flat out, like, I'm doing this for this reason, this for this reason, that, 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 uh, yeah, so on and so forth. Before you jump into your next example, do you consider Civil War as being a huge exposition film as well? You basically have those flashback scenes explaining what's happening and explaining the other five soldiers, how Bucky is triggered how you know they're going to moscow to go unleash five more winter soldiers is that considered exposition or is that just more of storytelling or is that the same thing yes i would say it's all the same things that all just fall into the category of storytelling but just it's all about the delivery system of that story for civil war as an example the flashbacks which are like very hard to do but work in that film i think to its credit the flashbacks do work because they reveal more of the flashback throughout the film so you get the whole picture by the end um, I'd say for that like a, a good example of the exposition in that film is when Bucky is talking to Steve and uh, Sam about the other five winter soldiers when he explains to them I wasn't the only winter soldier and why these guys are a threat and to me like that scene that scene works like that's fine and it, and it works really well especially in the context of that film because it's a huge misdirect for the third act because you think like oh Zemo's tr- wants to get these guys so he can use them to like overthrow overthrow an empire like you said before and then you know the movie plays out as we as we all know but I would say like in terms of like in the movie like dipping its toe into exposition having to explain something to the audience that's like the biggest scene of that there's also actually I also brought that up just so you could slowly but surely admit that the Civil War and Winter Soldier are two of the best Marvel movies but I know you had Winter Soldier as number three on your rankings. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, as the bonus for this episode, I'm going to tell you why Winter Soldier fails in many respects. I have a prime example for that. I really do. I've been thinking about this and dwelling on it, and my hatred has fueled me to tell you why you're wrong for so many reasons. <laughs> Don't worry, Matt. <laughs> Don't worry, listeners. We'll get there. But for Civil War, just to really cap that off, pun intended, <laughs> that actually has a great example of what you were just talking about in terms of combining flashbacks and exposition, when you have this opening scene with uh, Iron Man, where you, have, where you see him as like a young kid with his parents, and his dad like literally explaining, like, you know, sarcasm is a sign of, of genius, and da-da-da-da, da-da-da. And then you see Iron Man step out from the behind, and he's explaining to the MIT students, this is the last time I saw my parents, and this is really sad, and this is very sad for me. Like, that's a scene that... <laughs> I guess subtlety was not a strong suit, but it sort of falls similar to Winter Soldier, where with Zola was like this is a very high concept way to to deliver this information. We have to establish the fact that Tony had a complex and and important relationship with his parents, and like in that's in that barf flashback. That's what I think that's what he called the, the yeah. machine. 
and his mother says, like, you know, this is the last time you're going to see us. Please tell your father what you want to always want to tell him. And Tony explains how he develops this, this software to to get over grief. But that's a great way to deliver the fact that, well, to deliver the emotional stakes, and then that leads directly into, like, Bucky killing his parents. Okay, that's fair. I didn't mean to detract you from your other, you know, bad examples. No, it just goes to my earlier point of these films, as they've gotten, as they progress from phase one to phase three, I think the only reason, like, this franchise has stayed fresh in my mind is because they've adapted in terms of audience expectations and how they construct these films. Because the more we've seen these films, the less explaining you have to do further on. Like how in Doctor Strange, there's lots of exposition in Doctor Strange, like almost entirely explaining the entire movie to the audience. A great example in Doctor Strange is when uh, Mordo and Strange are in the mirror world being chased by Cassilius and his disciples. And Mordo just like tells Strange, like, yeah, we're in the mirror world, so regular people can't be hurt, but we can be hurt, so this is bad. And like they start running. They have to explain that, that that action scene. But to me, they're only explaining, like, the new rules of this universe. They're not explaining, like, who the bad guys and good guys are because we've, we've been trained from having watched the previous 13 or 12 films that came before Doctor Strange. Once again, it's just, like, why this franchise, to me, endures and why we're such fans and why we talk about it so much. Like, they've really come a long way from Iron Man 1 which once again that even that film like does not it has exposition but I think it's mostly good exposition and how that's only progressed so on and so forth so yeah there, there's hiccups along the way where like they just sort of have to like bite the bullet it's like look people just need to understand like this is how this one specific technical thing works and we don't want to like exclude anyone from, exclude anyone from the enjoyment of this film but overall, to me, it's been organic and has flowed really well. And it only gotten better with each film, how they explain the plot, etc., etc. So in Avengers, when Dr. Selvig is explaining how to close the portal, that's also an example of exposition? I think it is, because like, my criteria is put, put yourself in the, in, the, in the scene. Like, if you're the doctor and you're awake and Black Widow's there... You you mean you should just say like close that fucking portal just fucking close it. like here just do this like just tell like take take this stab that thing and close it but like once again as a screenwriter you're trying to like balance the feelings and the emotions of the characters in the moment and watching as an audience so as, as an audience they have to understand like oh yeah Loki scepter which we established has magical properties that's the only that's the it's like a video game almost like that's the final boss key to like in this case close the door. Gotcha. It's and actually an example of that. Another example of that would be Guardians of the Galaxy 2. The opening scene when Gamora, when they're getting ready to fight that monster, and Gamora says, like, we've been hired to fight an interdimensional monster, and you think I'm going to carry swords? If we were actually, if, like, if you were Gamora and I was Star-Lord, or vice versa, uh, I don't know who you have a preface for. Not important. You wouldn't be explaining like, what we're doing. Like, like Star-Lord knows that they're going to fight a tentacle monster person thing. Us as the audience, we don't know that. <laughs> well, I mean, that about covers it for me. Uh, it's just something that like, I always notice in these films that I find it very interesting and just love talking about just how they actually make the films and how they actually develop the screenplays and the plot and how they expose that plot to the audience. Um, but since we have some extra time, slash all the time in the world, I'm going to tell you why Winter Soldier falls flat in his face despite your premature congratulation on celebrating it as the number one Marvel movie in your mind, in your very fragile, weak mind. Please do. 
you have to pull in these little threads to try to pick it apart because your arguments are so weak all the time. In fucking Winter Soldier, they explain that these guns, these top guns, if you will, is that a pun? The, the guns on the ships that are like are super advanced, they can like take a hostile off from a thousand yards, and you can do all this great, great, great stuff. Fucking Falcon and his little flimsy jetpack is just flying around, and like the guns never hit him once. But those aren't the guns that they were referring to. Those guns never got activated because they were never at a high enough elevation. These are just the defense guns to try to... It's like the lasers on the Death Star. It's like they never hit the X-Wing, but that's not the real objective of the Death Star. It's the giant laser that's going to pretty much guarantee to blow up the planet. Oh, so you mean like in Last Jedi when like Poe Dameron is storming like the, the, the top of the Dreadnought? And he's clearing out the surface cannons. And they're like, hey, why don't you just blow up that little ship? It's like, oh, we can't blow... The ship's too fast for us. So he just takes out the surface cannons. You mean how it's like explained like that and that plot dynamic, which makes Last Jedi a perfect film? I didn't understand a single thing you just said about Last Jedi. Oh, in Last Jedi, when Poe Dameron's flying in the beginning yeah. with the surface cannons, the uh, Hawks is saying, like, why can't you just blow up that puny ship? It's like, that puny ship is too small for our surface cannons at this close range. Oh. It's, it's, it's it proves your point exactly. Yeah, but it proves that Last Jedi is a perfect film. It doesn't. I think it does. Anyways, <laughs> I've been Jeremy. I've been Matt. Later. <laughs>